The World Economic Forum in Davos in uh, 2022 actually met about water. And I'm going to play a little clip from their press conference. And I think we can get some interesting conclusions out of this. Let's take a look. Water is something that people understand. You know, climate change is a bit abstract. Some people understand it really well. Some understand it a bit. Some just don't understand it. Water, every kid knows how important it is to have water. When you're playing football and you're thirsty, you need water. So there's also something about really getting citizen engagement around this and really in some ways experimenting with this notion of the common good. Can we actually deliver this time in ways that we have failed miserably other time? At first glance, it may sound like this is costly because you're going to have to raise a lot more money. The world will have to spend about $300 billion per year in order that low and middle income countries can solve this problem, that the technologies can be scaled up so that everyone has access to clean water and safe sanitation. That sounds like a lot of money. But we today waste far more than $300 billion. There's the economic cost of what's happening today is far more than $300 billion. The neglect of water costs far more than $300 billion. First of all, this gentleman is absolutely right that there is a tremendous disparity in access to water. The problem is, is that places where there's lots of water have a hard time getting it to places where there's not a lot of water, right? Because water is hard to transport economically. I think that the problem really is, is that we know right now that the US, which is a developed country, Never mind the people who have to walk 10 miles or, or five kilometers to get water. That's a horrible thing. We all know that. That's a, yeah, we understand there's problems in Africa with wells and so forth. But what about the US? Well, we are underfunding by $100 billion every single year. So the problem is much, much more widespread. And I think that there's going to be efforts to improve water access for the less wealthy populations. And it's a good thing. But Everyday populations in our current culture here are having problems accessing water. They are themselves being locked out of water access. The water problem is not just in Africa. The water problem is just down the street right here in Pinellas County. So that's where we have to really think about or act on this way of enabling businesses to self treat so they can take care of their own dirty water and thereby free up the municipalities to do the right thing, to help the less fortunate and so forth. So in just about every country, there is wastage, as this gentleman pointed out. And most of that wastage comes from the biggest users, which are industrial and agriculture. So if we can fix that, then it's much, much easier to take care of the people. And they won't have to walk five kilometers or in America, they won't have to lose their access to water because they didn't pay the bill. Welcome everyone to the first CEO briefing of the year. Lots of exciting things happening. In fact, today I had a big piece of news relating to acquisitions, which we will be able to make public in the coming days. Very, very exciting news. Of course, nothing, we, ne we never promise anything, but we are definitely executing on plan. So more on that. I'll probably cover it in greater depth in the next CEO briefing. January 4th, 2024, briefing number 243. Water is the people's asset. And let's go through selections from my Twitter feed, which I like to focus you know, a lot on, well, okay, let's put it this way. Our mission is in water, but water as an asset is becoming a, a competitor to other asset classes. And so it's very interesting to look at how other asset classes are doing. But more and more, you're going to hear updates from our own front. We're going to be pivoting more and more towards water news. 
because we have a ton of it and we're now starting to document all that. So that's how that's going to develop. All right, let's take a look. Okay, the Neon Project in Saudi Arabia. Very, very interesting. Now, I'm going to actually play the video because it's fascinating and it's going to give us an idea of what they're doing. And um, about a million cubic meters of water per day. Well, let's take a look at the development. And meanwhile, I'm going to actually work out while I'm playing this video what a million cubic meters of water means in terms of American acre feet and so forth. I think that'll be interesting too. So let's take a look. At minute 442, we talk about the water, but I thought it'd be worth playing the actual video. Neom is taking shape. This isn't just me saying it. The footage speaks for itself. In the footage, we can see that it is progressing faster than expected. In the latest interview with Navmi Al Nasser, the CEO of Neom, he stated that 20% of the work has been completed. Let's find out how much truth is there in this statement. Let's start with the Line project. As we all already know, the Line is a futuristic city that spans 170 kilometers from Neom Mountains to the Red Sea. It's just 200 meters wide and 500 meters tall. The Line completely changes how we think about city development and offers a glimpse into what cities in the future might look like. So let's move on with its construction updates. When they first announced plans for the line, it seemed like achieving their big goals was a long shot. But here's some good news for you all. They've already started working on it. So it's not just a dream anymore, it's becoming a reality. As for the current status of the line project, things have certainly progressed. On October 19, 2022, Saudi Arabia released official drone footage of the ongoing construction at the line, with construction almost reaching distant mountains. And let's take a look at the latest footage. We can observe various developments taking shape, including offices and camps near the mountains. There is even a vibrant community area complete with a football field and a Neom Experience Center. When you're working on a massive project in the desert, you need a huge workforce, right? But the question is, where do all these workers stay? Well, that's where Neom's plan comes in. They've already constructed three Neom communities, which are Neom Community 1, 2, 3 respectively. These communities are fully equipped with everything you can imagine. Roads, schools, hospitals, shopping centers, and they've even built an airport. On June 6, 2023, Neom also finalized contracts for the first phase of expanding residential communities adding space for an additional 95,000 residents. Additionally, these communities will offer various lifestyle facilities, such as sports fields, swimming pools, and entertainment venues. On the opposite side of the line, there is a hidden marina where impressive progress is underway. The line comprises 135 modules. Modules 45, 46, and 47 are situated at the marina which is anticipated to be twice the size of any other marina globally and capable of accommodating the largest cruise ships. When the digging and water removal for the marina are ready, they'll begin with the piling work. Up to now, the piling work for the line has mainly focused on Module 43, with over 4,500 piles already in place. At its peak, the project has seen more than 60 piles being installed every day, making it the largest piling project globally. As they move on to do piling work in modules 46 and 47, we can anticipate an even higher level of activity. Here's something worth noting. 
According to the NEOM CEO, 20% of the line's important infrastructure is already built. But there are reports suggesting that the 20% completion claim could be misleading, with satellite images indicating that the actual progress may be less than stated. If we look at the drone and satellite footage, the claim of 20% construction seems accurate. But what's your opinion on this matter? As the line is a really long and narrow city, it's so stretched out, if you randomly pick two people in the line, they'd be, on average, about 57 kilometers apart. That's quite a distance. And here's a question that might pop into many minds. With no roads and no cars, how on earth will people get around the line city? And here comes the underground rail system called the Spine. Construction work for this railway network at Neom has already begun. They're planning to tunnel a total of 26.5 kilometers, splitting it into two parts, one for the north and one for the south. They'll do this in five sections, each about five kilometers long, digging through tough rock using special techniques. The exciting part is that this high-speed train will be able to travel from one end of the line to the other in just 20 minutes. So, even though the line is long and narrow, this rail system will make it much easier for people to get around and meet up quickly. There are a lot of queries about clean water. Like in a desert, where water is scarce, how can Neom ensure that people have access to clean and safe drinking water? Neom shared some news. They announced that they're using solar domes to make clean and affordable water. They've already set up a giant facility that can turn salty seawater into fresh water through desalination. By this, they can supply water for the whole Neom region and save more than 60% of the water in the process. In about 10 years, this place will be making a whopping 1 million cubic meters fresh water every single day. What's your opinion on this matter? The line is not just one of the largest projects globally, it's also one of the most talked about and debated ones. Progress is happening in the line, but it's also facing criticism from many people. As Peter Cook, who is involved in this controversial project, has raised doubts about its feasibility and construction challenges. Speaking at an event in Venice, he described the line as an amazing absurdity and criticized its proposed 500-meter height. Cook suggested that aiming for a 200-meter height might be more reasonable, and he questioned whether the project would ever reach its intended scale. And despite the line's claims of being eco-friendly and having no carbon emissions, some experts doubt its actual impact on the environment. Professor Philip Oldfield argues that constructing a 500-meter tall building with low-carbon materials is practically impossible. He estimates that the line's construction could generate over 1.8 billion tons of embodied carbon dioxide, which is equivalent to more than four years of the entire UK's emissions. This strong criticism questions the project's environmental reputation. Also, the line has received criticism regarding human rights issues, specifically forced displacement. Thousands of people, including the Hawaitat tribe, who have peacefully inhabited the area for generations, face the risk of being forcibly displaced. This issue became even more alarming when a Saudi court sentenced three members of the Hawaitat tribe to death for their opposition to the eviction. In response to these troubling developments, the Hawaitat tribe has urgently requested a United Nations investigation to probe allegations of forced displacement and abuse by Saudi authorities. 
Furthermore, the design of the lion also raises concerns about its impact on biodiversity, particularly for migrating birds. The large mirrored structures could pose significant dangers to these birds and disrupt their natural crossings. And next is another major project. Trojina, known as the Mountains of Neom, is home to some of the highest peaks in Saudi Arabia, reaching altitudes of up to 2,600 meters. Trojina's main attraction is its ski slopes. It will also include a man-made freshwater lake, chalets, villas, and luxury hotels with exceptional amenities such as spa and bathhouse, a ski slope roof, and microclimates. Trojina is set to be completed by 2026, but why is Trojina set to be completed so fast? And the reason is that Saudi Arabia won the bid to host the 10th edition of 2029 Asian Winter Games. To meet the deadline, substantial progress is being made in advancing the development of Trojina, according to Philip Gullett, executive director of Trojina. Since 2022, a significant amount of material, equivalent to 1.6 million cubic meters, has been excavated from the Trojina lakeside. The ski village, part of the fun cluster and slope residences in the Relax cluster are making great progress with ongoing basement work and detailed design work. Work on snow production and ski testing is ongoing at the site. The vault, Trojina's distinctive vertical village, has already seen nearly 1 million cubic tons of rock excavated, contributing to the creation of the new lake bed. Teams of workers are diligently transforming the rocky mountainous terrain into the extensive year-round mountain destination envisioned for Trojina. The decision to award the Winter Games to Saudi Arabia has faced criticism. One is about the artificial snowfall, as Greenpeace criticizes the new Trojina. They are concerned about the resort's impact on the environment, stating that altering natural ecosystems can have far-reaching and unpredictable consequences on neighboring ecosystems, making it a risky idea. And now the next major project is Sindala. A futuristic megacity is set to open its first destination in 2024. This destination will feature a world-class yachting area designed by an Italian designer, three mega-luxury hotels, a golf course, numerous restaurants, and an upscale retail area called the Village Housing 51 Luxury Retail Outlets. When observing its development status, one can observe that certain structures are approaching the final stages of construction, and the foundational layout for most buildings has already been determined. Furthermore, in the area designated for the golf club, it becomes apparent that the grass has already been laid out. Even for the workforce of Sindala, a dedicated community has already been established, equipped with amenities such as offices, logistics hubs, and housing units. The success of Sindala is crucial not only for the island itself, but for the entire NEOM project, because it will serve as the first public opportunity to experience NEOM, functioning as a gateway to the Red Sea and a world-class super-yachting destination. After Sindala, let's discuss about the industrial city of the NEOM, Oxygen, a futuristic industrial city, world's biggest and fully automated port with an integrated logistics hub. Oxygen will partially float on the Red Sea, which boasts an average depth of 500 meters. Oxygen's main goal is to be an industrial and logistics hub in Neom. This supports Saudi Arabia's economic growth and maritime trade. Oxygen will be powered by renewable energy and will boost job opportunities in the Neom region. 
Neom plans to have its first container terminal up and running with integrated logistics solutions by early 2025. When finished, the port will operate entirely on renewable energy, achieving net-zero carbon emissions and becoming the world's most eco-friendly port. Neom also has granted a $2 billion contract to build a railway called Connector South. It will connect the industrial city Oxygen to the line development. This railway will run from the line to Neom City Station, passing through Neom Bay Mansions and Neom Bay Airport on its way to Oxygen. The Red Sea will also feature the largest cruise terminal, with strategic access to 40% of the world's population within six hours. It aims to become a global trade hub. Apart from its industrial hub, Oxygon will also have its own residential area, entertainment, leisure, and tourist districts that are supposed to be open between 2025 to 2026. Work has already started on the eight-sided industrial city that is centered around the Duba seaport. But this is the only Neom project where construction has progressed the least, and its completion date is still unknown. So, is Neom's dream really gonna stay a dream, or will it come to life? Only time will tell. Who knows, it might turn out fantastic or face some challenges. And speaking of challenges, was hosting the 2029 Winter Games all about the money, or was there more to it? Also, when it comes to Neom's development, is investment the top priority, or do human rights play a role too? Only time will reveal the answers to these questions. I think it's fascinating that um, this development is happening. And, you know, the requirements for sewage treatment and so forth are massive. Ken and I were going back and forth about the numbers during the playing of the video. <clears throat> and a, a million cubic meters of water per day of supplied is roughly, uh, with recycling, could re could uh, support about 2 million people. And so that's that's pretty awesome. You have to also have to think about what all that sewage, right? And what happens to all that. Um, it's much, much easier to do something like like this from scratch. Of course, they have lots of money to work with than it is to re rehabilitate, you know, our existing infrastructure. That's always been the problem. You know, Africa went to cell phones immediately without, without landlines because they didn't need it. That's a tremendous amount of infrastructure that was just bypassed. Meanwhile, we are struggling to deal with our legacy, you know, infrastructure. Now, the other problem is this, it's, you know, Saudi Arabia is going to put, I don't know, a couple trillion dollars into this. Are we going to do something like that over here in America? That's a really good question to ask. And I'm not going to try and answer it in this briefing. All right, let's continue here. So there's a great podcast called the All In Podcast. and they did their Bestie Awards, which recapped best and worst of 2023. And it turns out that without the Magnificent Seven, it's called the S&P Seven, Apple, Microsoft, et cetera, we would have a pretty flat, literally didn't move at all throughout the year. And so what does it tell you? It tells you that the market is being driven by a, a, a very narrow number of, share, of stocks. S&P 493 rose 12%, while the S&P 7 rose almost 80%. And Microsoft added as much as $2, $2 trillion in market cap, which is amazing because I would have thought long ago that it would become a mature company, but of course, AI came along. That was all she wrote. 
Uber is actually happening. They became profitable. Excellent CEO who took it from, it was burning a lot of money, uh, became profitable. And now it's even in the uh, London, London cabbies use an Uber app, which is very smart. In other words, just integrate the whole thing. So that's actually a fun piece of news. Now, this is not so much fun. Mushrooming federal debt. And you notice that this is not specific to a one party. Regardless of what the party is, it just, like, it it went at a certain rate with Bush Sr., Clinton, Bush Jr. But then, um, the end of Bush, Bush Jr. really took off with the spending. And I'm just looking at the years here. And then the beginning of Obama, the slope became steeper. Trump didn't do anything to change it, and it's gotten steeper still. And so this is the kind of thing where you wonder where anything goes. Where, do, where does it go, right? And that is a really good question. All right. Real estate warning signs. Grant Cardone says that 2024 is going to be the greatest real estate correction of all time. Uh, institutions and syndicators will be forced to sell properties and default on their loans. But I took from the thread, uh, from Grant's thread, I took this from Dustin Frank, and he thinks that Yes, syndicators and institutions are in trouble, but class C residential space will thrive. What are those? Well, I put the definition down here at the bottom. They're, they're older properties, less than desirable, need renovation, they have lower market rental rates, and so they need help, but they're, they're not overpriced. That's the good news. And also, a lot of people are stuck with very high rents, and they're, they're going down market into class C and mobile park, mobile home parks in order to survive. And so that I think is the growth market. Grant Cardone, my biggest of six of 2023. Uh, <laughs> very funny. Well, let's see what arguing with my wife. Well, no, I, I, I've learned the lesson not to argue with my wife. Snowboarding, I just don't do it. I'm a skier and I love it. I'm planning some good ski trips this year. Not buying more bit, Bitcoin. I agree. I, we should have more Bitcoin. Did it deal with an idiot overlooking the obvious red flags? Offended people unnecessarily. These are all good. These are all good self-confessions. What I what I want to say about you know my own personal track record in 2023 is that we could have done everything bigger, faster. For example, you know, progressive water treatment in Mudra Water had a huge year in 2022. 2023 was a pullback from that. And we expected that, but, you know, I would have loved to have gotten it. You know, we were at 10 million in 2022. I would have loved to have gotten it to 8 million. It looks closer to 6 million. Still, it, we still broken trend. We still, you know, ahead of things. The other thing is that would, would love for this merger to be done fast, but it is what it is. So to the, to the extent that I was inefficient there, you know, I, I have to say that, you know, in hindsight, there's things I could have done. But I think overall the team did well with what what we needed to do. I think we were creative and I think we could have moved faster. It's about the only thing that I that I'm thinking about. And by the way, we are on track with all the what's going on with the merger. I'm not gonna get into the details right now, but it is happening and I think that's good news. I probably off offended people myself, but you know, uh, <laughs> I tried to clean it up when I did. All right, here we go. This guy, John Snyson, believes that we are entering the Weimar Republic. Well, that was a tough time because Germany went into hyperinflation. It had a hockey stick 
and I'll show you a graph a bit later. We have a potential hyperinflation problem. It's hard to tell ahead of time, but that's kind of what's going on there. And this was a, a cautionary tale about poor old Blockbuster. God, they were so arrogant. They were the worst. And in fact, Reed Hastings wanted Netflix to partner with uh, Blockbuster, and they were laughed out of the room. Netflix would run Blockbuster's, Blockbuster's brand online. 10 years later, no more Blockbuster. So you have to watch out for the change in marketplaces, which happens so fast. Um, there was a major weakness, actually, which was the late fees. They made a lot of money from charging late fees, but it's something that people really hated. Netflix cha changed all that. So complacency, staying with old business models in an increasingly accelerating era of innovation. And the water industry is not immune, as we have been saying. So we're the new kids in the block, guys. Okay, now we know that there's a big problem with the border uh, situation. I'm not going to comment on the politics of it, but I can tell you this. It makes massive stress on infrastructure. The central grid continues to have no funds. And really the only way forward is to let the business users treat their own water. And that at least is going to keep things decentralized. Okay, now here, Peter Sedonch, who I like very much, he's saying that really the way that uh, we're kind of floating the boat and not we haven't crashed the economy is because the government is spending money on itself, hand over fist. So they're just hiring a bunch of people to work for the government. And that grows, that grows the economy, but is it productive? Not so much. And here's the problem. For even for all that spending, there is still enough, not enough funding for water infrastructure, and jobs in water are not being filled. So that's why we have got to, de to decentralize water treatment. Okay, now you may have noticed that food prices are going crazy. In fact, Bloomberg says food prices have risen 25% since the start of 2020, largest and fastest since 1947, and shelters even worse. Well, we predicted this. Here was the graph that I put out at the end of 2021. And this is an excerpt from a shareholder letter that I wrote at that time. And we're looking at a pretty nasty, by 2026, 36% per year. Now, I'm hoping that it doesn't go there for the simple reason that it's harder and harder as, as inflation rises it's harder for the multiples to keep multiplying because you get up, you end up being, you know, you're stacking on top of already high inflation rise. So it might peter out. And then that's my hope. But nonetheless, you need to be asset-based. You need to be inflation-friendly friendly, and you need to have a very good upside. So that's what we're talking about. Now let's take a look. Yeah, we seem to be on trend in 2024, right there um, in the... 24, 25% range. So unfortunately, this thing is kind of proving to be true. Oh, this is a good one that Devin Angus, our, our head of shareholder development, shareholder relations, told us, sent, us sent, sent along to me. California is working hard to limit groundwater use by farms, by taxing groundwater. I think that is an inevitable. It has to happen. It's ridiculous making these water-hungry crops in the desert. 
I found a good diagram of centralized versus decentralized. And of course, that's what we do. Well, let's take a look at what the diagram does here. It says, centralized system has one main water treatment plant with a bunch of feeder lines. And then a multi-point multi sewer, sewage treatment plant, STP, does it all at the location. And of course, you don't have the need for all those big pipes and so forth. This is the model. And they actually reported in this article on efforts that they had in Malaysia back in 2020 in 2009. So this has been going on for a while now. All right. Comment. Susan Warren wants to put in all kinds of bills. Well, she's never gotten a bill passed in the history of her tenure on the Hill. I believe that Bitcoin and crypto will continue to operate well. I'd, I'd watch out for fake moves of markets in the interim. I believe it's going to go up, but it's also goes down a lot. So be very nimble. And this is a comment that I've made a long time. I often make, and I, I covered it in that in that high-tech life cycle, the, what I call the armadillo last week. You don't market to the conservative guys and the skeptics. Why? Because they'll follow, they'll follow the trend. So you market to the early adopters and everybody else follows. And that's really what we do. All right. And of course, the NASDAQ, not great. We are looking at a Pretty nasty picture here that is um, like what it went from about 15,200 down to 14,6. I think we need to, I need to, we need to understand that this is going to be more of the same in the coming year, this current year. Chinese property stocks, who the hell knows, but they are, they have crashed. We don't know what that'll do. Um, and Finally, uh, housing prices are dropping. This is making a big difference. These are various videos that that play on my Twitter feed if you're interested. In fact, I'm going to play one right now about crypto and black money. Here we go. This story about uh, crypto and black money. Let's take a look at what I had to say here. I love crypto, but the problem with crypto is you have these huge wells of black money. Like Bitcoin, yeah. probably a third of all Bitcoin is dark. We have no idea where it is, right? And they can yes. just manipulate with it. It's unregulated. Well, when it's asset-based, you can't really do that. It's just like a gold standard for money, right? It's just a very similar thing. So that's what I like right now. You know, Bitcoin is the exception because it's special. But most other currencies, and Ethereum I like because of smart contracts. But after that, yes. you didn't have to think about backing. So that was kind of cute. And of course, what's the backing all about? It's this um, asset token that we've been talking about that is not actively being developed as part of this current whole merger that we've been talking about. It's not part of the merger. I think it'll be a future project of ours. And I think it's very promising, but all in good time. So it's not in a current plan. That was, we were discussing in this excerpt from a podcast, where we were discussing $H2O, which is an asset coin token and all in good time. We're, as I was saying, this did not go with Water On Demand. It stayed with Origin Clear, and we're working on the patent and so forth. That's continuing, but we're not doing any development on it for the time being. It is a future project, and I think it has a lot of promise. So stay tuned for that. Back on uh, November 6th, I appeared on what's called Money, Money Club Mondays of the Private Money Club, and they asked me to do a whole briefing on the company here it is, Private Money Club, and about a, about a thousand subscribers. They're paid subscribers, I believe. Anyway, let me go ahead and play a couple short clips that are interesting from that presentation, and then we'll continue. 
And this is opening up a big opportunity for built-in-place water treatment systems. Obviously, the world is moving more and more into commodity-based finance. Uh, this is because we've done mass, a massive job of inflating the, the, uh, the money supply. And so commodities matter more and more. And obviously, you know that from real estate. Well, there's a, a new commodity that's just exiting a government monopoly, and it's called water. And mainly what I mean is, is water treatment, the treatment of dirty water, which we kind of take for granted. It's like, yeah, the city will take care of that and so forth. But the problem is they're not. And so as a result, there's a lot of decentralization going on. More and more businesses are doing their own water treatment, their dirty water treatment. They're still getting fresh water from the city. That's not an issue. And this is opening up a big opportunity for built-in-place water treatment systems and what we've come up with is a way to connect investors to that asset, much like master limited partnerships and oil wells. So that's a way for investors to invest in a bucket of energy properties. And it's become a very big space, about $300 billion space. We are very early stage in the exact same thing. But for water, the very first players are just showing up in this. My company is Origin Clear, and we've been a penny stock for 16 years. And <laughs> If you look at our stock graph, it shows. What we've done with that during that time is we've been super, super early in advanced water trends. And now the trends have caught up. We were just able to announce on October 24th is going to be merging with a NASDAQ-based blank check company. For those of you who don't know, blank check companies or special purpose acquisition corporations, SPACs, it's just a big treasure chest and they're looking for a company to buy. Well, Long story short, we created a subsidiary that is called Water On Demand that has achieved a $32 million valuation in this NASDAQ company. It's basically ours to screw up because it is a definitive agreement. It's going to the SEC and we will be hopefully a NASDAQ company by something like March. The story of Water On Demand, as I was telling it here, is really about how we were able to find the real concentration of effectiveness of what is origin clear's mission and and it finally became concentrated into this water on demand vehicle that now has two profitable growing divisions that are already doing water treatment for decentralized users and then this third thing which is just beginning which is the water on demand project so that is amazingly interesting and the fact that we connect regular investors with it is even more so and makes us unique. All right, let's take a look at the next one. Industry and agriculture, which take up 90% of all water needs, will be off the grid. State of wastewater in the US is pretty horrible. Here's a graph that shows that the funding gap is approaching $100 billion a year. Now we still think that's a lot of money. <laughs> I know that there's a lot of money being put out there, but you know, to actually underspend by 100 billion means that you get problems. And on top of it, remember that a bunch of manufacturing is coming back to the US. These will be highly efficient AI-driven factories, and there's not going to be the ability to service them for their water needs. So even the federal funding is well short. And what this means is commercial users are on their own. And big water rate inflation now exceeds college tuition inflation. That's how bad it is. It still doesn't cover it. And so we come to the idea of private water. 
and that's happening right there. You see the uh, the blue and the teal uh, area graphs are the services and equipment deals, which are the private deals. So they're growing super fast. And so we decided to pioneer water as an asset. Okay. Now, what that means is you can take a look at this little 3D here, and it shows many different places where the water is being treated. And so you have a much smaller central plant. And this is good because it means that human beings will get better water because industry and agriculture, which take up 90% of all water needs, will be off the grid. And this reduces the burden. And they love it. Why? Because they can control their own costs through inflation. I mean, through their own internal equipment. Number two, they can reuse water, which they can't do right now. Number three, they are not you know, stuck with the utility, giving them a hard time. So they have control and they love it. Private water. That is the vision. Often people think we're talking about private water, like Nestle taking over the water supply. Nothing like that. This is about treating the water that is made dirty, which is a much more difficult problem. The fresh water, you pull it out of the ground, you clean it and you distribute it. The, um, the water that's been made polluted by industry and agriculture, that's a big job. And when it's not done right, guess what? We get toxins in the groundwater, we get a lot of pollution, we get Flint, Michigan and so forth. So this is a big deal. In fact, I was hearing from a friend of mine who lives up in Zephyr Hills, which is on the way to Orlando from Tampa. And Zephyr, Zephyr Hills is a famous bottled water company. He told me that the Zephyr Hills water source is entirely independent from the municipal source. It is, they get their own and they, they completely manage it. Whereas the tap water of the municipality is not great. What does that say? It says that we have got to do a better job of letting the municipalities, the cities get on with their water treatment and supplying good, clean water while we take industry and agriculture off the grid. That's what that's about. Here's the third clip. Origin Clear is the largest single shareholder. We have currently have more than 50% of it. And it's going to the NASDAQ. The whole idea of water on demand is the idea that I'm currently getting my water treated by the city. I want to do it myself. Well, why should I spend a million dollars? Why don't I just sign a service contract with a private provider? And that's what's happening right now. These businesses are able to sign long-term service contracts and just pay by the gallon. And we take care of everything. Plus we have the engineers, you name it. Here's that magic quadrant, which shows how wonderful we are. I won't get into it too deeply. The key here is you got to have the technology. And since 2018, we have been developing a division that is based on patented technology for miniaturizing what's these big, big water plant systems down into you know the corner of a brewery or whatever, right? It's got great value, all that good stuff. But we're already doing it for breweries, housing developments, concentrated animal farms, mobile home parks, which as you know, if you're in the mobile home park business, it's an area that really needs better wastewater treatment. Freeway rest stops, RV campgrounds, warehouses, you name it. This is an idea of what it looks like. It's all containerized, nice and neat. Instance of the same thing, which is called a pump station. But what's great is we build them at the fabrication sites, truck them over, drop them in the ground, plug them in, and off she goes. All right. Now, MWS since 2018 has blown up. In fact, just in uh, since 2021, we've had a, more than seven times growth. So 
Uh, why? Because the world is moving towards self-treatment of their water. Now, Progressive Waters are the division. We acquired it in 2015. They've been around forever. They have huge, huge customers, most of whom we can't tell you who they are, but it's all custom. So this is really just an engineering capability. And they too have, for example, 2019 to 2022, they nearly tripled their revenue, right? Combining them all, we have, this is a complicated slide that says we, uh, we, we basically combine them all into Water Demand Inc. Origin Clear is the largest single shareholder. We have currently have more than 50% of it and it's going to the NASDAQ. Of course, as always, I have to qualify that it's going to the NASDAQ should the SEC approve it and the NASDAQ approve it, which is in progress. And I'll be able to give you some very good updates uh, in this briefing. So stay tuned. So for next week, I'm going to have, hopefully I'll be able to give you some acquisition news and, and then subsequent to that, we might be having some merger news. These are very, very exciting times we're in. We are on our tippy toes, no, not tippy toes, on tenterhooks, as they say. We're like, we're ready. With that, we are going to get into the freewheeling discussion. Bada beam, bada boom. The three wise men, well, the two wise men plus a CEO. There you go. <laughs> Depends what you mean by wise, right? Yeah, wise guys. Yeah, wise guys. Let's do this thing. I can I can live with that. Yeah. So um, you mentioned two two million people uh, when when you were talking about Saudi Arabia's consumption of water for this project, but it was two million people for a year. Right. It almost. They said they were going to do that in a day. Did they not? It was a. It was a million cubic meters of water per day. Was that correct? You're, you're I did the math. I did the math on that, and um, I multiplied it out by three sixty-five. So, it, okay, it's eight. Okay, a million cubic meters per day is eight hundred and twelve acre feet per day. An acre foot will take care of a family of four for a year. Okay, so you take the eight hundred and twelve. That's times three hundred sixty-five. Gives you that million dollar number. And I, okay, right. So it's two million people, right? It's 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 enough water to satisfy two million people a yeah. day, right? I got it. Now that's um, with recycling, and of course you can do all kinds of interesting things to conserve that that that, that four families for an acre foot. That's California, and we're we could be right. saving more money than that, and more water right. than that. We could be right. you know, much more water. I think Saudi Arabia they they would figure out some new technologies. Sure. The, the main reason I played this was just to give a feel for some of the things that, that can be done with dedicated funding. But unfortunately, it's a, it's a tale of two cities. What's happening in Saudi Arabia is not happening in the U.S. And as I, right, and as I often explain to our investors, those users, they have the capital to find the way, okay? It's your, it's your middle, class, middle class user, middle class user meaning middle class of business. Um, they're, they're not excited about deploying a million dollars, half a million dollars, hundred thousand dollars, especially because they're not in the water business. So converting this to a, you know, to an asset that pays royalties allows for an asset oriented investor. Look, you know, guys who want to speculate, guys who want to be early disruptors, guys who, and guys who, you know, guys who bought telecom, uh, uh, cell tower stocks 20 years ago. They were speculators. They they believed that it was a long term investment, and that they could see you know maybe hundreds of percent on the money. They ended up seeing tens of thousands percent 
on their money. Water is a bigger business. So the fact that you know, early entry into this thing can bring this tremendous equity event, great, okay? But turning this into an asset class, you get asset investors. Asset investors have a different mindset. They are by default long-term investors, right? They want to see what, what their money will yield in an inflation-protected environment over 30 years. The fact that that can be done in something that is vital to all life, I believe that that's the marriage of, you know, the kind of the best of both worlds thing. Okay. But just stepping back from the water-on-demand financing thing, just looking at governments, because what we're doing is we're comparing Saudi Arabia and United States, right? Oh, sure. United States is is not coming anywhere near doing anything like this whatsoever. No, we're, we're not so, just we're just. In fact, now we're not even doing rural broadband because we don't like Starlink. I mean, we're just not doing anything. You know, we're just generating you know jobs. Ray LeBond thinks you've made an excellent point, by the way. So well, they, of course, he does. He's a very smart man. <laughs> I, but you're this exactly. This picture actually sums up kind of where I was looking at this. Right? Is is Saudi Arabia with the line? They have not only solved the problem of of kind of being able to jump the shark with infrastructure. They're all also solving the the centralization problem of people. Right. right. Like you're looking at so many people across the you know so many different locations that are not Saudi Arabia, basically everywhere else, where you can't you, you can't do that. No one's doing that, right? Like our, a, a normal city or a, or a United States city is probably the closest thing you can have, and even that is vastly different use case. Yeah, I was going to say they 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 are they are the antithesis of, in other words, they they are a case study in why it doesn't work. Uh, you're talking about that octagonal city is the size of. Central Park. Right. But you know what but I mean? That's, it, but that's the whole point, right? Is is those types of things are not going to work in other use cases. And so it's being built to spec. It's being we built to spec solutions in a that tiny, are going to be able tiny, to allow us to, to get out of that. Right. We this is this is the only path forward that we really have to solve these types of problems for the vast majority of the world. And that's what's so important about, about wanting to convey that. It's like, it's, it's a really cool idea. Yes, it's, it's a really interesting way to kind of solve this problem, but it also has with it a whole bunch of trade-offs for the people that are choosing to live that way too. You know, there the, it, it's so counter to a lot of our culture to want to have something that's yours and to be, you know, to have your own space and to be able to have your own land and your own foundation and to build your own assets and to build your legacy and all of those different things that are more core, especially to American values. That that do not align with this type of a with, with this type of a project. So while I think it's amazingly cool, I I still I still have to put that massive caveat that yeah that would never work here because that's not, not quite a pedestrian project. What 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 are they what are they putting there? Ultra luxury hotels and a yachting facility and you know so it's 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 not your pedestrian solution. The right. minute you spread out the need for that effort centralization completely goes away. Right, this is concentrated in a very tiny, ultra, ultra, ultra wealthy endeavor, right? It's the exact antithesis. And it's it's something that, you know, we intuitively have always understood, we've understood for a hundred years that the way it's done, you know, in these centralized locations doesn't work. Technology, you know, software and things like that have only recently enabled this to become, when Riggs and I had that, moment it's because amazon and uber and airbnb spent billions figuring out how to make the the software we couldn't have had that moment 10 or 15 years ago right Riggs? 
Well, in fact, poor Dan Early was struggling in, right. you know, he was in the desert as a prophet. He was getting nowhere. This, this, uh, this, this uh, graphic that I put up was from 2009. Yet who was hearing about decentralization in 2009, right? But it was happening academically. And so you're right. The ability to actually popularize this, this concept is very much because of the high tech era that we're in. And, and Ray, I've credited, oh, I'm sorry. And I've credited crypto for making the idea of a decentralization, you know, uh, idea become a mainstream thought. You know, people had, nobody had an idea, like you said, 2009, decentral what, right? So crypto, crypto was really a big part of that. Their, their messaging on the need for decentralizing currency in, you know, in, uh, basically a lot of people become enamored with the independence, you know, an independent currency, not, you know, not tied to the Fed and, you know, something that's private, you know, the same reason that people buy gold, that sort of thing. That that became very, very popular. So more and more people began to make an effort to understand that. So conveying a decentralized water wastewater treatment um, network became a, you know, quick, oh, I know exactly what you're doing. How many times, Riggs, have we said, have we talked to people and they said, oh, you're doing that like you like they did with solar, just like they did with solar. Just like they did with solar. And uh, Ray says, Americans tend to visualize the world as a copy of their local environment. People need to travel more. Right. They need to travel more, except now we're being told that that the carbon emissions of, of tourists are too high and we can't travel. Whatever. All it means is you, you, that guys and gals, we need to prosper we need to do well, all of us. And Ken, when you say an asset investor is a long-term investor, I believe that what's happening is everybody needs to become an asset investor. Yes, yeah, so everyone needs to become a long-term investor because, right, you can't get scared off the cliff. Or you can't get scared off the, off the ledge. Well, you know? also, assets have traditionally been long performers, but because that huge debt graph is like blowing up, They'll actually be hockey stick performers. It will be As, much more right. It'll be much. It, it won't. It won't be so gradual. I agree. Another thing you pointed to that Nasdaq event. How many little investors got absolutely smashed that day? Now the long-term players, they didn't. They didn't get scared off the ledge. But the guys buying stocks on margin, they're gone. So uh, by putting this in a way where you have that hot, if you can have a hockey stick event on income due to the you know prolific uh, printing of money and combine it with that equity event you kind of appeal to both sides of the investment equation i think right because what i was getting at was if you have a hockey stick on the money inflation then you have a corresponding hockey stick on asset values right sure the asset value literally is the counterpart there's all kinds of now here's the other issue there's all kinds of predictions being made for gold and bitcoin and this and that I've learned to take everything with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Why? Because this, I, I, you know, the Bitcoin black money problem, which I played, and also gold is tremendously manipulated. And so we're, we're, in the, we're in a sweet, you know, Goldilocks moment here where water is a valid monetized asset. It's right. not being messed with yet. And asset investors are aware that their real estate, I'm a big, real, you know, I love real estate, right? But interest rates... You know, it makes it a great rental market, makes it a terrible seller's market, right? Good buyer's market if, if you don't mind the debt service, right? But it's slowed down everything. I sent you a, an article today on the zombie economy. 
This is a zombie economy. You and you demonstrated it. They I, uh, they were pumping 136 or 118 percent growth in jobs and came in the form of government. Or what they're doing now is they're being too cute. They're doing it through NGOs. In other words, it's a public-private partnership. When I hear public-private partnership, Mike, I get I get goose pimples. It's it's not good, right? Because you have a private entity that isn't governed by the same set of standards operating with the almost unlimited strength and capital available to it through a government body. And I think that they're going to be propped. So you prop up these this this zombie economy with 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 taxpayer money, the taxpayer money, you know, you're borrowing money. In other words, at some point, the the tab comes, the bill comes. OK, and if this is based purely on overconsumption due to you know, due to money that's being pumped into the environment, that goes away at some point. And I think it could be a real, it could be a real ugly short-term period for people. So I think bolstering your, bolstering yourself by all assets, a little gold, a little real estate, but by all means, the thing that will never run out of style or never come out of fashion is the thing that is, is needed for life. As Ray says, Americans have been conditioned to think that Social Security and their retirement programs We'll take care of the long-term needs. Those days are gone. Invest for your own future. Where will you find a better long-term investment than water? You won't. Right. Because I hire that man. Drop well, the mic. <laughs> right? Yeah. We can go home now. Ray, Ray, you take over. All right. Yes, yes AJ. No, it's just, it's, it's just one of those things where it's, we look at all these different asset classes and you talk about how they can be manipulated and you can talk how there's various trust issues that go into investing in some of these different types of, of classes. The unique thing about water, and the more that I get immersed in it, and the more that I learn about it, and the more that I, I analyze it, this is this is a, a asset class born out of necessity, right? Like gold was always a a you know a backer of currency, right? And and was used as a, a high water mark to understand what the value of this really was. Water and water infrastructure are necessities for infrastructure for for people to live. It is a vastly different game that's being played in in terms of how all of this is going to have to evolve in the next you know few years plus into the future with how we need to completely overhaul the water infrastructure and how decentralization decentralization plays a huge role in that. and And I feel like that can't be understated in all of the things that we talk about with with regarding water as an asset class. And so, yeah, Ray, you're right on the money. You're not going to find a better long-term investment because it's the one thing that you can't, you can't just say, okay, well, someone holds all the gold, right? You, you can't do that with water. Right. And it's, it's a very, very specific use case that makes it so much more tantalizing to be a part of. So well, and and, and so we can get into philosophical conversations here, but it becomes infinitely more complicated to manipulate, doesn't it? Yes. Right. With that, gentlemen, we've arrived at the witching hour and it's time to call it a day, a night. Very interesting times that we're in. I love how it's going. Ken, you and your team are doing an amazing job. AJ and his team, Lord, they're just jamming. And by the way, I failed to mention Ke the amazing Kevin Pruitt as part of the marketing team last week. So I'm doing so now. They're just going flat out. I love it. So between the corporate development with Ken and the marketing with AJ, and then the financial legal being done by Prasad and our lawyers and myself. And we are on a roll. And Bill Charneski with this acquisition news. Stay tuned next week. You're going to love it. Love it. Have a great evening, folks. Hey, everybody.
Enjoy your, week, your weekend, all.